Would you open your Bible, please, to Acts chapter 20? <coughs> Acts chapter 20. I will help you. That comes right after Acts chapter 19. Thank you, Brother Godfrey. Now, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Fifth book of the New Testament. I want to start reading in verse 17. <clears throat> as you look on. And from Miletus, he, he, that's the Apostle Paul. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said to them, you know what, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I've been with you at all seasons serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in the weight of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you and have showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you skip down, please, to verse 26. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Then we're going to skip down to verse 31. <laughs> Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn every one night and day with tears. We're going to stop reading there. Now, God used the Apostle Paul to start the church in the city of Ephesus. Paul was there, I understand, three years. After three years, he leaves the city of Ephesus and he goes to another city, goes to another region to proclaim the gospel to those people. But after a period of time, Paul returns to Ephesus. And he calls the elders of the church of Ephesus together. And he reminds them of some things that he had done for three years. In verse 20, he reminds them, I, I kept back nothing that was profitable to you. He said, I showed you, I taught you publicly, and from house to house. He said, I was in your very homes. I taught you, I taught you about sin. I taught you about the consequence of sin, hell. I taught you about, about Jesus who can save you from your sin in hell. I, I, I've taught you all about salvation. And he, 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 he says, I warn you, verse 31, said for three years I ceased not to warn every one of you. Night, day, with tears. I warn you. Now because of that, Paul, Paul tells him in verse 26, I'm pure from the blood of all men. He said, hey, none of your blood is on my hands. No, I already warned you. I taught you about God in the way of salvation through Christ. Your blood is not on my hands. No. Now you say, Brother Godfrey, what was Paul saying when he said, I'm pure from, from your blood? What was he saying? Was he saying he had never murdered anybody? 
He had never murdered any of them. No, he was not saying that. No, for us to fully understand what Paul was saying there, I'm, I'm free from the blood of all men, we have to go back to an Old Testament concept of the watchman. So would you please open your Bibles next to Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33. Yeah, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 1. Yes, Paul was referring to the Old Testament concept of the watchman. So let's learn a little bit more about that. Ezekiel 33 and verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take command of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land and blow the trumpet and warn the people, that whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. <clears throat> but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But... <clears throat> If the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. Now the word iniquity is another word for sin. He is taken away in his iniquity, or he's taken away in his sin. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. Verse 8 is the key verse. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak, to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, He's going to die in his sin, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered <clears throat> thy soul. <clears throat> well, we stop reading there. Now, God used Nehemiah to build a big high wall all the, way, all the way around the city of Jerusalem. Why have a wall around Jerusalem for protection? You see, if the enemy, if an enemy nation came and attacked Jerusalem, that high wall would help, help protect them from their enemies. Now, another thing they did, they appointed a man to be up, upon the top of the wall. They called him the watchman. Now, the job of the watchman, he was to be awake, he was to be alert, he was to constantly look out upon the horizon. Hmm. Now, if, when he was upon the wall, looking out, if he should ever see the enemy coming to attack, his responsibility was to blow a trumpet. I think they called the trumpet the shofar. He was to blow the trumpet, warning, Good, good, good. 
Good, good, good. I'm sure he did a better job than I'm attempting to do. Hmm? I'm not a trumpet player. Hmm? But his responsibility was to blow the trumpet and those working out in the field beyond the city wall, when they heard the sound of the trumpet, they, they were supposed to just immediately stop what they were doing out there. Throw down their picks and shovels and axes and, and run back in the city and close those gates behind them for protection. Now notice, if the watchman saw the enemy come and blew the trumpet, those out working beyond the wall in the field, if they heard the sound of the trumpet, but if they did not heed the warning, if they did not heed the warning, if they did not run back into the city, if they were attacked by the enemy and any of them were killed, so they just stayed out there and lollygagged. Uh, if they were killed by the enemy, because they, they didn't heed the warning and they, they didn't run into the city, if any of them were killed out there in, out in the field, their blood was upon their own hands. Why? They heard the warning, but they did not heed the warning. Hmm? Their blood was upon their own hands, the Bible says. Now notice, if the watchman upon the wall did not do his duty, then suppose it's a hot hot summer day and he, he, gets, he gets sleeping. And he decides, I'm tired of, I'm tired of watching. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get some sleep. So he lays down upon the wall. If he's sleeping, or if he say, boy, it sure is boring up here. I'm gonna go down, down on the other side of the wall and play a game. If he did not do his duty because of sleeping or, or, or playing, if, the enemy came at the time when he was sleeping or playing. If the enemy came and consequently he did not see the enemy, he didn't blow the trumpet, anyone out there in the field who was attacked and killed, their blood was upon the hands of the watchmen. Why? Because the watchmen did not warn them. Their blood was upon the watchmen's hands. Now friends, that is exactly what Paul was saying. Exactly what Paul had when he had in mind when he told the, the people of Ephesus, your blood is upon is not on my hands. No, I warned you. I warned you. I, I, I taught you. I taught you about sin, death, hell, Jesus. I was in your homes. I, I warned you. I taught you all about God. I'm free of your blood. Your blood is not on my hands. That is exactly what Paul was saying. The, yeah, the Old Testament concept of watchmen. But notice, it was just not Ezekiel in the Old Testament who was to be a watchman. It's just not the Apostle Paul in the New Testament who was, who was to be a watchman. No, according to the Bible, every one of us that Jesus Christ is saved from sin and hell has been appointed by Jesus Christ to be a spiritual watchman also. You and I are watchmen. Now, I want you to think of some Bible verses that indicate that, that every one of us is called by God to be a watchman. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus says to his followers, by the way, would you raise your hand if you are a follower of Jesus? That means you're not following Hindu, Buddhist, Shinto, you're following Jesus. Let's see those hands. Wonderful. I like that. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said to his followers, you shall receive power after Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall, you shall be witnesses unto me. Witness to me. Tell others about me. 
and my saving power. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus Christ commands us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, every person. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus Christ orders us, go, therefore, teach all nations. Teach all nations. Teach all people. Teach what? The gospel, the plan of salvation, how to get saved from sin and hell. Jesus said, follow me, Matthew 4, 19, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You know what you and I should be doing out here, down here while we're waiting for the second coming of Christ? We'll be fishing for men and women and teenagers and boys and girls. That's what we ought to be doing. By the way, did you know every Christian is like a penny? I'm not penniless. I have a penny. Uh, every Christian is like a penny. What's a penny? One cent. What's a Christian? One cent. Hmm? Now they're spelled differently to be sure. A penny is one cent. C-E-N-T. A Christian is one cent. S-E-N-T. S-E-N-T. Jesus said to his followers, John chapter 20, verse 21, As the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Christian, you are one cent. You're one sent by your Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, to unsaved people to communicate the gospel to them and ward them of their sin, ward them of the consequences in, and tell them about Jesus who's able to save them. He's able to save. To the other must all who come to God by Him, but the sinner must come to Jesus. But the average sinner out there does not understand that. He hasn't been told that. So you and I are watchmen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says... Uh, God has given to us. God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, not just the Apostle Paul. No, God has given to each one of us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconcile sinners to God through Jesus and His gospel. The Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. Christian, God has appointed you and commanded you to be a spiritual watchman to unsaved people all around you. Are you doing it? May I remind you, dear Christian, if we do not go to sinners... By the way, all are sinners. If we don't go to sinners and warn them about their sin, warn them about the consequence of their sin in hell, we don't tell them about Jesus and persuade them to, to repent, receive Jesus, they're going to go to hell when they die. They're automatically going to go to hell when they die if we don't warn them and persuade them to repent and receive Jesus. They're going to go to hell. Now, think of some Bible verses that indicate that. All people actually are on their way to hell. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of going to God. How many have sinned? All. Now notice, sin is breaking God's commandments. Now one of the ten, one of the ten commandments says, Thou shalt not bear false witness. What does it mean? Thou shalt not lie. Now I have a request, but listen to the whole thing before you raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand good and high now if if you never have told any lies whatsoever since you were born. I mean, since you were born, you never told a little lie. You never told a big lie. You never told a white lie. You never told a black lie. Right now, would you raise your hand if you never told any lies whatsoever since you were born? My eyes are sweeping this church out of dirt. No hands raised. Now, I, I, I'm glad you didn't raise your hand. You'd be telling another lie. Another commandment says, Thou shalt not steal... Thou shalt not steal. Well, another request, but again, listen to the whole thing before you raise your hand. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, good and high, if 
if you never sold anything whatsoever since you were born. Now, before you raise your hand, I want to remind you about something. Do you remember when you were little, just a little talk, little boy, little girl? One day you said to your mama, Mama, can I have a cookie, please? Mama said, no, sweetheart, it's too close to lunch or too close to supper. Do you remember when your mother wasn't watching? How you reached in there and took that cookie nevertheless? Think hard. Is it coming back to you? So again, raise your hand if you never stole anything at all since you were born. No hands raised. Pastor Harvey, it looks like we have a lot of liars and thieves in this church auditorium. Mm -hmm. That's it. But listen, it's just not only us in this church who've told lies and and stolen things. It's It's all these people out there also in clean and surrounding areas. Around America, around the world. They all have sinned. Not only have you and I have sinned. No, all of them out there, they have sinned also. Say, so what's the big deal? Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Solid sins will surely die. First, physical death. On the heels of physical death comes the second death. Second death. Would you listen to it in the Bible? Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But the fearful... And the unbelieving. And the abominable and murderers and whoremongers. Whoremongers. Yeah, people engaging in sexual sins. Fornication, adultery, homosexual, lesbianism. Whoremongers. And sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. If we weren't anywhere else on this list, here we are. All liars shall have their part in the lake burning with fire and brimstone which is the second death. Eight different types of sinners listed. They're all cast in the lake of literal eternal fire. Now, one of the sinners listed there is murderers. I remind you, a, a man only has to murder one person to be a murderer. Man only has to rob one bank to be a bank robber. But friends, it's also true. A person only has to tell one lie in order to be a liar. You don't tell, have to tell a hundred lies, a thousand lies. Be a liar. No, you just tell one liar to constitute your liar. And we already admitted we have told some lies. Now because we have told some lies, God regards us as a liar. Say, so what? See how the verse ends? All liars shall have their part in the lake burning with fire and brimstone, which is the second. Neighbor, if you only sin, we're telling some lies. You too would go straight to hell when you die. You too would be cast in the lake of little eternal fire. But not just, uh, unless the sinner hears the gospel and repents. Unless you and I go to these sinners and, and teach them and, and, uh, and uh, tell them about Jesus who's able to save them. Unless we persuade them to repent and receive Jesus, every one of them is going to go to hell when they die. You know, the Bible says they are condemned already. The sinner is condemned already to hell. The sinner does not have to commit one more sin to, to go to hell. No, the sinner has committed all the sins he needs to commit to go to hell. And they're going to go to hell unless we go and warn them and persuade them to repent and receive Jesus. I want us to consider hell just a little bit this morning. So would you please open your Bible to Luke chapter 16. <clears throat> what kind of place is this where people all around us are going? Luke chapter 16. 
I'll start reading in verse 19. There was a certain rich man. Let me pause and say this passage tells us about two beggars. Two beggars. Uh, one was a, a beggar who begged for food. He was a poor man. He begged for food from the rich man. Then, then the, uh, the other beggar we read about is the, the rich man. Rich man who died without Christ and went to hell, and in hell he begged for some water. Begged for some water. So, um, keep that in mind. Verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was yet laid his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, more of the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar dying was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also dined and was buried. By the way, the rich man made a big mistake. Was that he trusted his money instead of trusting Jesus Christ and shed the blood of Christ. I hope nobody here is making that same mistake. Verse 22 again, the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abram a fall from Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abram, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Abraham said, Son, remember, that in my lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, and now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest he also come to this place of torment. We'll stop our reading there. Now I want you to notice some things about hell. First, it is a place. It's a place. That's the last verse we read. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest he also come into this place of torment. See, hell is a literal place. Like earth is a place, and the sun is a place, hell is a place. It, hell is not the figment of someone's imagination, someone's just dreamed up. No, it's a literal place in the afterlife. Next, I want you to see hell is a place of torments. Verse 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. See the S on the end of that word that stands for plurality. Now there are some people that think of hell, they think of one torment. Oh, the fire. Uh, there is fire in hell, but the fire is just one of the many torments. That awful place. Next, hell is a place of anguish. Place of anguish, verse 24. And in uh, verse 24... And he cried. See, this man is so much pain, he literally cries. Hmm? And uh, next, hell is a place of thirst. It's a place of thirst. Verse 24. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. 
send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I mean, he begged that someone come and put his finger in water and apply that moistened fingertip to his tongue. Just one drop of water. Hmm? Oh, one of the torments of hell is eternal thirst. See, there's no liquids in hell. No water, no iced tea, no lemonade, no Coca-Cola, no root beer, no beer. Not even any alcoholic beverages, beer, wine, gin, whiskey, vodka. Uh, no liquids whatsoever to alleviate one thirst. I'm a product of personal soul hunting. Mrs. Smith, 77 years old, introduced me to Jesus when I was a young man traveling with my uncle, Uncle Sam, and his fully fleet U.S. Navy. She led me to Jesus. By the way, folks, just a uh, indication, you and I can approach total strangers and give them the gospel and invite them to repent and receive Jesus in some will. I did. I never met the woman before. Never been the same since. I received Christ and got saved. Well, the day I got saved, I started doing for other people what Mrs. Smith did for me. I started going to others and just sharing with them what Mrs. Smith shared with me. Tell me about Christ, inviting people to trust Christ, receive Christ. And in, in, in all these years I've been doing this, I, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of people get saved. No exaggeration. Hunters have gotten saved and baptized after they got saved. As I said Friday night, one of my converts, Paul Kim, I led to Jesus in the 60s. Since then, he has started 17 Baptist churches. So we have seen some people get saved. Had a person profess faith in Christ uh, yesterday afternoon when I was told him. Had a man profess faith in Christ this morning after Sunday school when I witnessed to him. He had to leave after Sunday school. So, uh, I've seen a lot of people get saved, but in, in all these years of soul winning, I've had three men. Three men tell me, different houses, different homes where I've been. I give them the gospel. Sir, wouldn't you like to repent now? Wouldn't you like to ask Jesus Christ, come to the door of your heart, be your Savior and Savior, that you don't have to go to hell when you die? Three men in all these years say, what do you mean, fella? This is hell. I'm living in hell right now. I don't, All three men know, sir, this is not hell. Now, there's at least three ways I know this is not hell. Number one, God says this is planet Earth. Hell is a literal place in the afterlife. Number two, sir, you're not engulfed in flames. Boy, if you're in hell, you'd be engulfed in... You would never lift one finger out of the fire. Number three, sir, if you wanted to, you could walk out in your kitchen, turn the kitchen faucet out with full of cool, refreshing water, but there's no water in hell. Oh, wouldn't that be an awful torment? Eternal thirst. Don't even like to think about it. And uh, next, it's a place of fire. It is a place of fire. This man said in verse 24, I am tormented in this flame, F-L-A-M-E, that this built flame. Now, other time God calls it fire. God says the fire will never be quenched. God says that three times in one chapter, the fire will never be quenched. Literal fire. Little flame. And uh, next, I, I want you to see it is a place of extreme heat. I guarantee any place that has fire is going to have plenty of heat there. And next is a place of grinding of teeth. The Bible says they're in so much pain they grind their teeth because of the torment they're in. Next, hell is a place of darkness. It's a place of darkness. Speaking about unsaved people, Jude 13, Jude 13 says, To whom 
is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Not unsaved people. To whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever? Hey, did you ever have, the, ever have the experience of going down deep into a cave such as Mammoth Cave in Kentucky? I've been there. And you had hundreds of feet below the surface of the earth and your God says, don't even move, we're going to turn the lights out. They did it when I was there. And my, my sweet wife, Mary, was there. Don't even move, we're going to turn the lights out. And, and someone reached over there and hit the light switch, turned out the lights. It's so black down there that if you put your hand in front of your face, you could not see your fingers because of the blackness. You even uh, grown, strong, tall men have some fear of darkness, total darkness. Mm -hmm. It's eerie. Next, hell's a place of screaming. The Bible says, place of screaming. Now, years ago, I preached at a Bible college. Approximately 2,000 students. I preached on the subject of hell. Different sermon than I'm preaching right now. I preached in hell. And I said to the student body, students, in just a minute, I'm going to raise my hand up like this. Just a minute. Now, students, when I, when I raise my hand up like this, I'm going to ask every one of you to scream at the top of your voice. I'm serious. I said. Well, about a moment later, I lift my hand. Did you ever hear, you ever hear 2,000 people scream at one time at the top of their voice? It was awful. You understand in hell there's going to be millions and billions, if not trillions of people. Hmm? And they're going to be screaming because of their pain and their suffering. Thank God I'm not going to be there to hear it. But here, here's the one of the worst things about hell and Lake Fire. It's for all eternity. It's forever. Now, there are dozens of verses in the Bible talking about the eternality of this furnace. Let me read, read, read a couple of them. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41. Then shall I say also unto them on the left hand, these are unsaved people, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire. Do you see it's eternal fire? Verse 46, these, these unsaved, shall go away into everlasting punishment, eternal punishment they're going to be in. What kind of punishment? The fire, the falling, the worms, the, the blackness, the thirst, and other torments we're not even going to take time to mention. We don't have a long service. Here's an interesting verse, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. Here's the Old Testament. Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Some are going to be resurrected to eternal contempt. That's hell. That's like fire. See, friend, if heaven is eternal, it is. Hell is eternal also. They'll never get out of that furnace. Never. They'll be there for thousands and millions of years. But just think of the torment of the, the fire. The fire. If I were to ask you, come up to the platform, any adult, if I would say, come up to the platform and uh, I'll light a match. 
I want a match. All you and and I will give you a hundred dollars if you put your little finger in that fire, hold it in that flame for one minute, sixty seconds, or hold it in the fire until the match dies of its own accord. None of you would do it. Not one of you would do it. Now maybe somebody would be so so dumb and stupid to try it, but I guarantee you, after about one, two, three, or four seconds in the fire. You'd pull your finger out because it would be so much pain, and you'd walk back to your seat without the hundred dollars. Say, well, I don't think I need that hundred dollars that badly, thank you. But friend, would you realize me, realize with me, that most of you have unsaved friends, unsaved family members, unsaved neighbors, unsaved people you work with. They're on their way to eternal fire. One day these same people you like and love and work with, they're going to be in hell, not just their finger, their whole body's going to be in fire, not for a minute. No, for millions and billions and trillions of years, a period of time is never going to end for all eternity. They're going to be writhing in eternal fire. And you only care about that. Again, the Bible says these sinners out there, they are condemned already. They're condemned already to hell. They're on their way to hell. And God wants you and me to go to them and warn them about that. And tell them about Jesus. Invite them to repent and receive Jesus. They won't have to go to this hell after all. Let me ask you this. What would you think of a man who discovered a perfect cure for cancer? Yeah, he discovers a perfect cure for cancer and this, this cure for cancer is guaranteed to heal anybody of his cancer for the rest of his life. Guaranteed. But for some strange reason, the inventor of this cure, he decides to keep it a secret. He doesn't share it with the world. No, he keeps it a secret. What would you think of it, man? Say, boy, he, he's no good. He ought to be ashamed of himself. Christian, may I remind you that you and I have discovered something greater than a cure for cancer? Yes, we have. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. That's good news. Hmm? We have not only discovered a cure for, for, for we have not only have discovered a cure for sin, I hope that's why I said we have discovered something better than a cure for cancer. We have discovered a cure for sin, the blood of Jesus Christ. Also, we have discovered a detour from hell and how to go to heaven instead through Jesus Christ. It's good news we have to share with people. But friend, are you sharing this good news or are you keeping it a secret? Shame on you if you're keeping it a secret. Hmm? Who have you warned lately? Have you warned your neighbors? Have you warned the kids at school? Have you warned the people at work? Warned the people in the military? Have you warned your own family members? Hmm? Christian, are you being a faithful watchman or have you lost your trumpet? Have you laid down your trumpet? You need to pick up your trumpet again and dust it off and start using that trumpet again. Would you notice this warning from God to Christians? God says in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 11, If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not. Doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not God render to every man according to his works? Christian, God is going to render to you according to your works or according to your laziness and disobedience. 
Makes me think of the judgment seat of Christ. Second Corinthians 5.10, we must all, all who are saved, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we may receive the things done in our body according to that he have done. According to that we have done. Whether it be good or bad. You do good, you'll be receive rewards. From the hand of Christ, that the judgment seat of Christ rewards him. You do bad, you know not being a faithful watchman, you know that's bad. You do bad, God says you're going to forfeit rewards in heaven. So you're not talking about something very serious here. Even pertaining to us. And how we're going to have it in heaven. Hey, let's pretend something. We're about to close. Let's pretend one nice summer afternoon, I'm walking through the Smoky Mountains. I really enjoy the Smoky Mountains. I took my bride to Smoky Mountains on our honeymoon years ago. I'm walking through the Smoky Mountains just enjoying myself in a big way. And, and, and all of a sudden, I hear someone else also walking through the woods of the Smoky Mountains. I stop walking. I look to the left. I see another man also walking through those smoky mountains. <laughs> He's carrying a white cane. Yes, his eyes are closed. Well, the poor man must be blind. Blind man walking through the smoky mountains. That's strange. I look to the, to the right, the direction he's walking. Oh, no, no. There's, there's, a, there's a high cliff. Boy, it has a very sharp edge. Looks like at least a hundred feet drop. That blind man, he doesn't know it. He's walking to his death. I'll have warned that blind man. The danger is, but instead I decide to keep quiet. Just be silent. So, I'm just standing there in silence. I watch him walk. I watch him walk. Now, every step he takes, his cane comes down. Every step he takes, his cane comes down. And he comes to the very edge of the cliff. We'll pretend this is the edge of the cliff. His cane comes down now as he's walking slowly and not finding solid earth beneath the cane. The cane slips from his hand. And he instantly stops. Still not realizing he's on the edge of a cliff. And he says to himself, I must be getting clumsy. I, I dropped my cane. He, he reaches down to pick up his cane and loses his balance and topples over the edge to a horrible death below, instant death. Now listen to me. If what happened that afternoon in Smoky Mountains is taken up in a courtroom, I mean, if that goes to court, and, I, and I'm holding the court, Listen to me. If all the facts were presented in the courtroom, exactly what happened that afternoon, that I didn't warn the man. After deliberations, you know what the jury would say? After deliberations, the jury would say, Mr. Godfrey, we find you guilty of physical manslaughter. And listen to me. I would spend years in prison. But I didn't do nothing. That's a problem. I didn't. I did nothing. I didn't warn the man. Yeah, I'd be accused and sentenced. I, 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 I'd be accused of physical manslaughter and spend years in prison. Yes, I would. Hey, let's pretend. Let's pretend. This Christian man dies and goes to heaven. To hmm? absent from the body, be present with the Lord for the saved man. Christian man dies and goes to heaven. And one day he's just walking down the golden streets of heaven, and he comes across a large building. He reads it on the outside, God's post office. I didn't even know God had a post office. And he enters God's post office. As soon as he enters God's post office, on the opposite wall he sees a large poster. Hmm. 
He reads the, the, the lettering over the poster, wanted for a spiritual manslaughter. Huh? Wanted for a spiritual manslaughter? Hmm. Now, Christian, would you please take a good look at the, the person in that picture who's wanted for a spiritual manslaughter? Because if you're not warning unsaved people around you, I sort of guess one day at the judgment seat of Christ, God is going to get you for a spiritual manslaughter. Because you not, did not warn sinners around you. Hmm? Is God, does God want you for a spiritual manslaughter? He just might. Would you listen to the verse again? Ezekiel 33, verse 8, God says, When I say unto the wicked, people are wicked up there, taking God's holy name in vain, breaking God's holy command. When I say unto the wicked, Oh, wicked man. Uh, when I say in the wicked, Oh, wicked man. Uh, I better turn to that verse and read it again. I'm just having a mental, mental lapse. Okay, I think it's right here. When I say unto the wicked, Oh, wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require it on him. Christian, God says, if you don't warn the wicked, their blood, God's going to require it at your hand. Hmm? Would you lift up your hands right now and look at your hands? Now, ask yourself this question. Whose blood do I have on my hands? Is it blood of a mother or dad that I've never told about Christ? Is the blood of a brother, sister, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa? Is the blood of a neighbor? Somebody at work? Some kid at school? Whose blood do I have on my hands today? Hmm? You know, I, I just don't know anyone who gets by Brother Godfrey without some kind of a gospel witness. Hmm? Now, anyone, anyone who comes to me and talks to me, I'm going to warn him in some way before he leaves. Now, I, I like to, when I can, to take the Word of God and show this person how to get saved invite them to repent and receive Jesus. I like to do it when I can. But if I cannot do that for some reason, I always give them a, a copy of the gospel written out. And here's what I say when I give it. I go, the wife says, Honey, would you stop the store and get some milk? And I say, Sure, darling. No problem. So I stop the store. I get the milk. I get bread. I get in the cashier line. Come to my turn. She rings the order. She said it would be $4.13. Thank you, ma'am. Now, it'd be good if I could take 5, 10, 15 minutes, give her the gospel in person, invite her to repent and receive Jesus. I can't do that. What? People waiting their turn. People behind me waiting their turn. If I take 5, 10, 15 minutes, someone angry back there in line, throw a can of corn, hit me in the head. I think you'll agree I'm corny enough already. I can't personally witness to the lady. Thought of the next, next best thing. Man, this, helped, this has helped me a lot. How to go straight to heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. From the Word of God. Will you read this later if I give it to you? That's what I say when I give a gospel. This helped me a lot. How to go straight to heaven through faith in Christ. Will you read this later if I give it to you? At least uh, the great majority of people say, yes, I'll, I'll read it. When I give the gospel to that person, you know what? That person's blood is not in my hands. No, their blood is not in my hands. Christian, wouldn't it be better for you to go ahead and give the gospel to people that their blood will be on their hands and not your hands? You warn them if they do nothing about it. Their blood is on their hands. So right now, I don't know anyone whose blood is on my hands. Why? I've tried to warn everybody I possibly can who crosses my path and talks to me. Hmm? Well, Brother Goff, you can't help but have somebody's blood on your hands. Well, tell that to the Apostle Paul. Paul said, I warned every man. Night and day with tears. And Paul was able to say, consequently, I'm free. 
I'm pure for the blood of all men. Your blood's not on my hands. Hey, here's the very last thing we're going to do, do, and then we're going to close this sermon. Here's a poem at the end of my book, How to Win Souls. Would you listen to the poem as we close? You lived next door to me for years. Don't move, please. Leave your Bibles open. You lived next door to me for years. We shared our dreams, our joys, and tears. A friend to me you were indeed, a friend who helped me when in need. My faith in you was strong and sure. We had such trust as should endure. No words between us ever rose. Our friends were alike and so are foes. What sadness then, my friend, to find that after all, you were not so kind. The day my life on earth did end, I found you were not a faithful friend. For all those years we spent on earth, you never talked to me of second birth. You never spoke of my lost soul and of the Christ who could make me whole. I'm lost today, eternally. And tell you now my earnest plea, you cannot do a thing for me. No word today, my bonds will free. But do not err, my friend, again. Do all you can for souls of men. Plead with them now quite earnestly, lest they be cast in hell with me. One final time, God says, when I say unto wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man will die in his iniquity. But Christian, his blood, I'm going to require it. Your hand. You have bloody hands today? If so, why don't you do something? Why don't you start being a faithful watchman? Well, Brother Godfrey, that man at work, that military man, he might be offended. Let him get offended. He's on his way to hell. Does that not make any difference to you, Christian? He's on his way to hell. It'd be better to be offended than die in his sins and go to hell eternally. Now, dear God, we have warned God's people that the blood of lost people all around them is going to be in their hands. If they don't open that mouth of theirs and tell sinners around them of the Savior, invite sinners to repent and receive this Savior. Lord, undoubtedly some folks here have bloody hands today and help them to realize that and help them to start, start, help them to start being faithful watchmen to those around them.